Hey, thanks for listening to the NIL Show, a Campus Inc. production. You can catch us on YouTube, anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts, and on a campus near you. If you're out there interested in being a guest or having an NIL store for your campus merch, find us on any social channel or email. Our schools are, are stiff-arming it, and it's like, look, you have some of the biggest names in sports, and if you would allow them to actually work with you instead of trying to skirt around, you can also increase your uh, brand awareness, brand value, brand engagement. This is episode five, season two. Awesome. Well, let's get right into it. What's up, everybody? My name is Adam Cook. There's Sean Ellenby, special guest, Eric Rubish. You heard it here first, episode five, season two of the NIL show. Excited to to jump right into it. We are joined by special guest Eric Rubish, who is the newly minted director of licensing and corporate partnerships here at Campus Inc. What's going on, Eric? Oh, it's going, guys. It's it's been a, a ride a month, man, over a month in already, and it's it's been a, a wild ride. But it's it's drinking from a fire hose, but I'm loving every second of it. <laughs> it's hard to believe it's yeah, only been you're, a month. You're about- Hard to believe it's only been a month. Like, yeah, but, but, I, I feel right. like you've been here a while. Oh yeah, yeah. No, it's. I, I feel like I'm a part of the team now. Like I'm, I'm the, still. Uh, I feel a newbie, but it's like, all right, it's it's go time. So loving it. It's been fun. You know, you jump in with both feet. It's it's not very long before you feel like the veteran around campus sync because we've been growing <laughs> a lot. I, as of yesterday, actually, you're not even the newest employee at Campus Inc. any longer. I don't feel good about um, <laughs> <laughs> Where Where'd you come from, Eric? I'm, I'm born and raised uh, from Iowa. I uh, grew up in a small town of, of 4,000. Anyone that knows me knows that I always like to throw out our claim to fame. Uh, Winnebago Industries, the Winnebago, <laughs> not a, a, you know, everyone says a Winnebago, that's in my hometown, it's otherwise it's a mortar home. It's just like clean eggs. <laughs> you know? So um, it's like champagne, like, right? Right, right. I I like to throw that nugget out there. At least it puts us on the map a little bit. So I grew up in a small town. Went to a community college. Found my interest in sports marketing after working at a car dealership and going to an Iowa Hawkeye game and actually delivering a car for a giveaway at the University of Iowa. So that was a prize. So I found out what sports marketing was through working a car dealership. Who would have, who would have thought, you know? So fast forward then, I decided to uh, transfer and go to the University of Northern Iowa, go Panthers, and was uh, fortunate enough to, to be an intern, worked from the ground level, you know, doing all the banner work, you know, hanging all the banners, game days, you know, getting ready for on-field promotions, and then I, uh, you know, decided to, you know, study sports marketing at, at UNI and proud to say that I'm the first actually graduate to graduate uh, with a sports marketing degree from UNI. I created my yeah, own. Yeah, patient zero. Right. Yeah. I, I kind of created my own path. So I had to pivot a little bit, just enjoyed college too much and found that I needed to, you know, look at a curriculum from another college that offered sports marketing and, you know, found my way. I pivoted and 
you know, got it done. But uh, through that entire time, I was fortunate enough to, to stay with uh, UNI Athletics, working an intern. I actually found myself to to get into uh, a, a master's program and uh, got a full ride through UNI and was a GA for the, the athletic department. And then right after I graduated, I uh, was hired on as an assistant director in the marketing department. How the heck does one end up in licensing in the first place? I, I can't imagine when you first started working in marketing, you're like, yeah, licensing is where I want to be. It's such a different, it's not a different world once you're in that marketing realm, but where did that first start? How did, how did that yeah. come out? No, that's a, that's a great question, Sean. Like, I never thought, I, I had no clue what licensing was. I'm, I'm <laughs> from a town of 4,500. I just found out what sports marketing was, for God's sake. So, <laughs> you know, I, I would say after after you and I, and I should have got into this, I was hired on. I followed uh, one of uh, the, the gentlemen that, that hired me at you and I and was hired on at South Dakota State University and hired on as a, an assistant AD of sports marketing and promotions there. And then couldn't convince my fiance at the time to stay in South Dakota. So that's how I found uh, what licensing kind of really was all about. I never really touched licensing when I was in marketing. I was probably a vendor of, of maybe some uh, licensing <laughs> directors back in the day, not looking at it. But yeah, I, I uh, was fortunate enough to, to get a, a, um, a position at licensing resource group at the time. LRG had an office in Coralville, hired on, uh, got a connection through a former intern and worked at LRG. And through my 10 years in licensing, we went through three acquisitions and mergers. So if you've ever been through it, never easy. And you just gotta, you know, keep stay in it and stay positive. And I was fortunate enough, you know, it was it was some tough times going through that. And I was fortunate enough to stay employed to stay uh, with it. So I bounced from LRG, then we were acquired by uh, Learfield, Learfield Sports. And then they acquired our competitor SMA or strategic marketing affiliates, then they merged us together to form Learfield licensing. What's up, Steven? And then they um, and then the most recently uh, 50 50 acquisition merger was with ING and Learfield to form obviously with today as CLC. So I've got to let those of you who are just listening know Stephen Farrig, CEO of Campus Inc., just parachuted in, could not miss this conversation with Eric <laughs> Rubish. And both of us are rocking the Boo High merch today. So shout out to Setco. Boo High Scrubs with Meeting. Sponsor us on the next episode. I was going to say that. Anyway, <laughs> making it through three acquisitions, Eric, I think is a huge testament just to like, I mean, you got to be a pretty stellar employee to make it through three companies in one role. And then, you know, obviously still sticking it out with, with CLC. And you were actually one of our uh, reps and account kind of managers, I guess, uh, at CLC with a couple of our properties. So you had been there for a while. What was it like? What was harder? going through the mergers and acquisitions or sticking with licensing and CLC through the NIL shift? Yeah, um, that, that's a great question. I never thought about it that way. Um, I, I think the mergers at the at the beginning is the toughest because you know, you know, some of these private equity companies that come in there, they're not looking at people like, you know, what they're doing actually for their positions. It's more of, how do we eliminate, you know, headspace? So uh, I, I think that's the toughest part because I had a lot of great colleagues when we were uh, Learfield licensing, you know, that weren't fortunate enough to stick around um, and, you know, 
you know, they were willing to work with it, but that was probably tough for me, uh, was, was going through that. But, um, NIL is, is certainly, it's still in its infancy where I, you know, nowhere near where we think it could go, but, uh, it's, it's still fun. It's still so new and fresh that I have a new, now a new fresh perspective on NIL now with joining campus Inc. obviously. So can I go on record and, and say, I don't, I don't poach these these amazing people they come to us <laughs> just want to be clear for the record get, officially i don't want to get this reputation like i'm out just like finding all these companies that like i'm like going to their all-stars and be like come come there can i just can i just set the record straight i would be happy to set the record straight out so you like so it, it all goes back to it's kind of fun adam like to see how we were able to connect like we got you know, I I found out about Campus Inc. through one of the schools, like like Adam was saying, through Florida Golf Post. You know, they they wanted to add the license. I was at Campus Inc. You know, don't know too much about them. Let me do some research, and that's where did some fact finding. That you know, Adam and I were were able to connect, and I was a huge proponent for the company. Just you know, sitting on a, a few presentations, seeing how you guys were looking at NIL. And really, it wasn't just, you know, what a lot of others were doing, where it was looking at the key sports and athletes, but holistically looking at the entire, you know, athletic department and how do we create an opportunity for every student athlete. So giving my world was really that group of five mid-major, I wanted every, every one of our schools, all 85 that fell under my umbrella to like, hey, you know, and, and that's where Adam had to be like, all right, you know, uh, I don't know if we can move that fast, but let's see what we can do and try. And <laughs> and I, I was just a huge, like, almost was like a sales rep for uh, Campus Inc. because I just really enjoyed the story, just the direction the company was going, and just how you guys were going about NIL. And and, and really, what that's what led to this conversation, seeing the, the opportunity with licensing. Never thought I would you know, maybe leave CLC. Um, obviously, it's a very sound company, like, you know, what established, I, sh I should say, company, you know, there's a comfort level there. But I was very impressed. And in more conversations, you know, obviously, with you, Stephen, Adam, and even you too, Sean, like when we were going through it, like, you, um, you know, you, you peel the layers back of the onion of Campus Inc., and it's amazing. Like it's, it, it blew me away. So that's where I was like, I, I got it. I got to, you know, join, I got it. I want to, you know, be a part of building something where, you, you know, I was coming from something established and really it was just like, don't lose a school. Now it's like, all right, how do we go gangbusters and, and you know, find those opportunities. So, I love it. Is that a you, Adam? It has to be you. We're getting a new appearance on the show. I love it. Guess another guest appearance. Yeah, we had jailbreak. Sorry, jailbreak into the podcast studio. He's just wishing you a late happy birthday, Adam. Yeah, there he is. For us, when we talk to licensing companies, or like they're still figuring it out too, right? right? Because from submitting one design to now submitting essentially two hundred designs, if you've got to do a custom player number, all that stuff. What do you feel like when 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 CLC heard about NIL, mm -hmm. right? What was their initial reaction? Was it excited? Was it oh shit, there's way more work to be done here? Was it opportunity? Like who groaned? Who got excited? You don't have to name names, obviously. 
but right. what was the sentiment because... name the names no. <laughs> what what was the sentiment um and clc was going through a lot of changes at the time too but like what was the general sentiment from someone outside campus inc in the industry yeah um i would say from clc's perspective i, I applaud cory moss like he was a huge leader in this given you know they were doing everything with uh, the the video game in, in per se so you know with ea sports and we all know what what happened with that um but i think what it was at the time was this came out um they were they had a lot of conversations with a lot of different uh figures in the the sports industry space from uh commissioners to ad's and i i think uh you know really clc how they how we were looking at it at the time was how we can create an opportunity for our schools how do we bring this to life for a school and, and the the biggest part of that was fact finding from the schools and their interest level but at the very minimal it was just creating a license type to you know to roll out there for schools that they can accept or deny and depending on where they were at and what was going on in their state level you know do i approve the use of nil with our marks or not if so it was kind of just laying all that groundwork out of one, you know, obviously we, you know, NIL is rolling out as an institution, allow the use of marks with the player or uh, student athletes name image likeness or not. And if not really CLC's role was, was no part like there, if, unless it was going to be using marks, we had no part of it because that's what we are contracted to do is license the use of the student or the, the university's mark. So if we're not allowed to use marks with the students NIL, then that our pretty much our, you know, I guess handling it was diminished. So and, and we quickly learned we didn't want to do that either. Right, right. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, I mean, how cool. I mean, it, it just you saw a lot of these companies like and it was a lot of more local that I, I was seeing is I don't know, I, I mean in, in reality it's kind of a way to make a quick buck like you know i'm gonna reach out to student athlete I'll, I'll pull something out you saw a lot of bookstores starting to buy into those local companies and just maybe phrases that the student athlete was using a very generic uh silhouette or something of the student athlete without the actual you know uh, ip the intellectual property of the the um of the school so it just look kind of boring and it's like all right let's figure this out like it's gonna look a lot better for all together in this thing um this would be a great way to help student athletes build their brands but then connect to the university that they're excited to be playing for so well and i i think the exciting thing that you know you have recognized in the space and i know you've been an advocate uh, for your partner schools and then also being on this side, you know, you've you've got a lot of great ideas that we'll we'll dive into about where you hope licensing goes in this space. But you know, you see this all the time. We in the MLS we call it the Leo Messi effect, right? Bedard is supposed to be the biggest hockey player since Wayne Gretzky, and the Blackhawks are saying, you know, the the Connor Bedard effect is real in terms of the effect on our brand, the increase in fan engagement, the increase in ticket sales, and it's you know, we talk about this a lot internally, there's this massive missed opportunity where schools are are stiff arming it. And it's like, look, you have some of the biggest names in sports. And if you would allow them to actually work with you instead of trying to skirt around, you can also increase your uh, brand awareness, brand value, brand engagement in, in a massive way 
And I think you do a really good job of advocating uh, for that, particularly, you know, we talk a lot about what you do at, at Iowa State. Can you talk a little bit about how that approach at Iowa State was? Yeah, um, really, you know, the light bulb moment, I guess, going through the whole NIL and maybe stepping back a little bit is, in a way, you know, CLC was already kind of doing this. Like, you think about it, maybe not the scale of a whole entire athletic department, but you think about former players that have left and gone to the pros or retired players that were just very recognizable, you know, with those fan bases, we're in a way kind of doing that. Similar to like what Campus Inc. now being here over a month is how you found a way like, hey, we've been kind of doing in some assemblance, structuring an NIL program, but on the Greek side, but seeing the, you know, similarities and synergies from the Greek and the structuring of that to now bringing that to NIL. So in a way, it's just trying to find a way to roll it out to an entire athletic department and all student athletes. So with Iowa State, I would say I, I was really excited. I was fortunate to work on some former programs with players. And, and again, they're not the biggest of names, but they're the biggest for Iowa State. But in some ways, they are big national brands. But you had like your Alan Lazards, you had your Seneca Wallaces, you had George Niang, um, and, and taking their brands and connecting it already back to uh, Iowa State. But that was a big thing is, you know, in my conversations with them is, you know, let's look at a key opportunity. Let's build something. Let's, you know, continue to keep finding ways to connect your student athletes to your brand. So it was a really easy conversation. Once we kind of got over that hurdle of, all right, are we going to allow this? Or do we want to be the first kind of one in the state or not? Um, so it was pretty easy once we got over that hurdle about connecting their um, IP to student athletes. It was a no brainer to begin, you know, reaching out to select licensees, which obviously Campus Inc. was certainly top of that list um, to have those conversations and roll out of stores. So. so for the layman's person trying to understand at home this entire licensing sphere, I, I know for me personally, when I joined Campus Inc., I knew nothing about it. I knew nothing about licensing. It was not my background whatsoever. I think what's so interesting to me is I think on the blanket level, you think, oh, a license looks exactly the same at every school, which is far from the case. All, however many institutions, they all uh, have licenses, but they all look at them extremely differently, um, which makes it quite difficult to navigate as you're working with different schools across the board. And there's so many of them. I, I guess I, I'm curious, have you seen a common thread among um, some of the most successful schools in terms of how they handle their license? Or is it sort of different across the board? Yeah, no, it, it's a great question, Sean. So really, I, I would put almost two buckets. So you really, and, and there's some gray areas, obviously, with it. But uh, more of your power fives is what you're kind of seeing out there is being more strategic, I would say, with their licensing programs. Some have, I mean, I, I guess depends on what their level, if it's more about kind of collecting a, a guaranteed, you know, check uh, from a licensee and kind of what we, what, you know, they would call in the industry, like a primary apparel model where you have one licensee that you would sign and then you have kind of additional ones to fill in um, some of the space where they might not be able to produce certain types of uh, products or if it's adding different brands. So. With your power fives, obviously, as you can imagine, you have everyone come out of the woodwork and like wanting to partner with these schools. So 
Uh, the approach was to be a little bit more strategic and think through, um, you know, those licensees because you just don't want at the end of the day everyone undercutting everyone else on the price and driving it down because all the royalties are based either on that wholesale or retail price. So that was kind of the strategy with a lot of more of your power fives. The ones that are kind of maybe on that lower spectrum, maybe the 30 and below, um, would maybe take a different approach where they might have some a semblance of you know some strategies to be a little bit more strategic, maybe in certain places like your mass channel. So your your Walmarts, your Targets, Costco's, Sam's Clubs, where they've already signed exclusivities with certain licensees. And so it just made sense to maybe go into some uh, some sort of an exclusive with those because they already have that market share. When you're dealing with a lot of those more group of five mid-major size, uh, really the idea is like, I just want to get my brand out there. Um, what licensees are willing to maybe take a, a gamble, I don't want to say gamble, but you know, are, are they willing to, you know, add my license and help push our product out to certain retailers that we want to be in? So as as our role, you know, when we were when I was a brand manager and, and director, it was kind of I, I again, my space was really the group of five, the major with the exception of like Iowa State, like Adam said. And really, it was just trying to find unique opportunities to help tell the story of the school to those licensees. Because there's some really, you uncover some of those, there's some passionate fan bases where, again, I'm a Midwest kid, you know, there's not not a lot going on. We're not dealing with, you know, fashion like they might be in LA or <laughs> a lot big pro sports teams. They're very passionate about their pro team and that might be their college in their state. So um, we were pretty, it was pretty easy sell, but when you unravel and cover like some of those fan bases and and how exciting they are and want to connect through product uh, to their their favorite team. It was a pretty easy sell, and then it was just almost taking some of those guinea pigs. Like I'll use North Dakota State. Shout out to Troy Gorgren there. Uh, awesome school, uh, and and really how you know just if you would really truly understand. NDSU and their passion fan base um, in Fargo, uh, they they love their Bisons. Uh, it was uh, a pretty easy sell once you just test the water. With I, think, I think it's really interesting when you talk about like, you know, this is this is a lot of kind of how the sausage gets made in the industry, right? Like licensing is essentially about ownership. Um, who who licensed, who owns, who has access to, you know, your brand or IP. And one thing that you mentioned was, you know, who has exclusivity in certain channels. And this is something we deal with a lot. And, you know, you see a lot of these bigger programs who with maybe some of these legacy partners have locked up exclusivity in certain channels for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. Um, and Adam, so, you know, sometimes of that, what's an example. So an example would be, we're on a podcast. Um, we can be vulnerable. Call it out. Sure. An example would be, hey, we want to go work with you know a particular school, and they say, man, we love your model. Um, our women's soccer team is not getting jerseys, and they have been banging down our door like crazy. Um, you will do soccer jerseys for us, and you're going to pay them that much. Holy cow! We have to have that. And we say, great. Well, um, we're ready to build it. We're ready to sell it. And they say. Ah, shoot. Um, we actually have an existing partner who has licensed everything and they have exclusivity in this channel. So you actually can't sell it there. Um, man, what are we going to do? So they go back to that partner 
and they say, hey, we need women's soccer jerseys. And that partner says, nah, just not worth our time. Now you're in a position where there's nothing available in the mom. You have a partner that wants to do it, is willing to do it. But because of these kind of pre-existing exclusivities in, you know, different sales channels or whether it be e-commerce or use of certain marks, you're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place of not being able to actually supply something to the market. And, you know, I think with the change of NIL, that's where you've started to see maybe it wasn't so awesome locking up, you know, 15, 20 year exclusivities where you basically handed the keys to your brand over to somebody who now says, I get to decide what's for sale and what's not for sale. Not you anymore. Um, do you see that like with the licensing, have, have you seen that started to shift a little bit of people wanting to move away from those long-term exclusive lockups? Um, no, I, I think if anything, Adam, like getting into just specific licensing, I think if COVID, if we learned anything from COVID was, all right, who is able, you know, this, this, the disruption in, you know, supply chain and distribution and getting product, like that was a huge issue. So if you think about some of those schools that might have signed exclusivities um, where, you know, you're having roughly 25 to 30 different licensees, uh, you know, handling your product, it, it was kind of a, a rush, like who can just get me product in the store? So I think some of them have revisited those opportunities and it might be adding more licenses in because they just couldn't get product in time or just get just the standard product out there. So I think if anything, we could see a shift in that of, of some of those exclusivities, um, just those dollar, you know, those guarantees, because it's all about, are they able to get the product in time to the stores? Because then at the end of the day, the fans are the ones that have to suffer on that. Because Exactly. I think uh, what Adam just described is what we call the good old boys club. (laughs) (laughs) So good old boys, as you're listening to this, you've probably gotten a message from me challenging your moral (laughs) compass in NIL because I'm very, I'm very deliberate. I mean, (laughs) Steven, you make, you make a good point though, because at at the end of the day though, right? Who's left holding them back? It's, it's the athletes and the fans because we, we get the messages all the time saying, Oh my gosh, what the heck? Where's this jersey? Oh, are you kidding me? It's designed like that. Why couldn't you do the on field? And there's this like customer education of like, well, we we would do the on field. We have the capability of doing the on field. No one will let us do the on field. And the ones who have the rights to it won't won't do it themselves either. So the only people that are left holding the bag are the fans, because you know, there's not good enough product in the market for them, or the athletes, because now they don't have a jersey for sale or they don't have the ability. Um, I, I'm going to explain this a little bit longer. You know, you hear a lot of people who say we never sign athletes to exclusive deals. Great. Good for you. However, you have created an ecosystem where there's only one retailer or one producer that has the rights to that product. So you didn't sign the athlete to an exclusive deal, but you created an ecosystem that is 100% exclusive that if they want something, they have to go through one channel. Yeah, And you gave them their own, their own sandbox with with, exactly. And they have to, Steven, you, 
you described this really well as 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 Kodak. There's almost nothing new in any industry, right? That most of the challenges, most of the problems have been experienced by one industry or another. Maybe not directly, but indirectly. Stephen Stephen talks about uh, Kodak moments, and you know, as as industries change, as industries innovate, the problems that they face are almost never. 100% unique to that industry, that company. Most of the time they've been experienced, solved, dealt with, at least in a theoretical perspective in any other industry. The late, great Kobe Bryant would talk about this all the time. He developed his, his Mamba mentality because of watching other leaders, other high performers, other high achievers in other industries. And he would talk all the time about like, hey man, this is, this is how I play basketball. If you wanna be great, you may not be great at basketball. Don't look at what I did, look at how I did it. And that's an example of, of greatness. Um, the Kodak moment is the opposite of that. So with the expansion of, or, or development of new technology, digital cameras started to have this incredible, uh, not resurgence, but an incredible emergence. And uh, major camera companies were moving away from film. Kodak, took the hardline stance of, sure, sure, that cute little digital thing, good for you guys. We'll dabble in it a little bit, but film is going nowhere. Film is here to stay. We will never move away from film. And all they did was develop this little pocket camera that you know was a digital, digital camera, but they essentially doubled down on their film business. And at the time, they were the de facto industry leader in uh, high quality cameras. Well, History shows beyond a shadow of a doubt. Most of you probably don't even have a Kodak anymore. Some of you listening may not even know what Kodak is, but that was a critical error of their leadership wanting to double down on a way that this is the way the industry is. This is the way that it works. This is how we know people like taking pictures, like developing pictures and had a complete inability to see, no, no, things are changing. This new technology, this new capability, the new way that the industry is interacting with their photos and wanting to share their photos, the ecosystem has shifted and their inability to shift with that ecosystem essentially put a nail in the coffin of them being an industry leader. And, and Adam, they seen? almost silenced it. A hundred percent. I mean, yeah, they developed it 20, 25 years prior and just silenced it. It's almost like the NCAA perhaps putting NIL on the shelf for the last 25 years until it surfaced. It's, it's interesting to see some of those parallels. And, you know, I was at the Chicago sports summit yesterday with a lot of great sports leaders. And one thing that continues to irk me is when people say, oh yeah, this new NIL legislation. No, no, no. There was NIL legislation. There were bylaws from the beginning. The NCAA actively said, we know you have a name, image, and likeness. We know what those rights are. However, if you want to participate in this ecosystem, you will sign those over to us and you will forfeit your right. And even beyond that, be expressly prohibited from monetizing off your NIL. So to your point, Stephen, it isn't this passive, oh, we didn't know that this was going to happen. It was an active blocking of your ability to, to, to monetize that. Eric, I have a question. So a lot of these legacy license holders that have these licenses tied up, right, in certain segments that they know they're not going to be able to support. Um, now they're hurting athletes directly with those decisions. How were they just so loosely written that no one saw NIL coming to change it? 
shouldn't like a new policy shouldn't those contracts when there's new legislation on like a government level like supersede or make them reset or rethink them like how do they how do they just i know you're not a lawyer per se but like right how is that okay yeah i i think yeah there, there will have to be some changes done just how you, you know you, you sign a or you have student athletes under a school and how they can kind of strong arm them on opportunities i i don't know like um, you know, following along, I think eventually, I think you're probably going to see something where you have, you know, try to do a semblance of a, a you know, a players association or, or something like that, where, you know, there's going to be a voice for student athletes. And I think you're seeing reports of that trying to come together. But it's so as you as you guys know, like, the NCAA and schools is so fragmented, like, you you know as you you guys experience it on like the licensing and what you have for one school is could be completely different and then you got all these different mindsets too of how they might view nil or different licenses but i think there there has to be something i think a voice for for all the student athletes and i think eventually it sounds like there might be something coming down the pipeline but again i don't know how how much how far along that might be, um, you know, or, or how quickly, but that's where you can't just take, and I know Adam, you know this, you can't just take the pro models and just put it in, in the college. It just doesn't work. Uh, everyone's separate. It's not like an overall, like I, I look at it from the licensing. You don't just sign the NFL and you get all the teams like NCAA, you sign each individual school, depends on what agency they're with. You got to find all that out too. And then each school will make a decision on behalf of their institution, but then like, where does that student athlete get a voice? So I think that's where there, there, there should be something. And I think, I don't know, I, maybe I struck another nerve too. So. No, that is, that is 100% the question that is the crux of all this. Where does the student athlete get a voice? And that's where we've seen no fewer than 10 bills get uh, uh, brought to Capitol Hill. Ryan Baker, CBS uh, says, you know, the more bills that get brought to Capitol Hill, the, the worse it usually is because the more convoluted and confusing it gets. And, and Adam spoke on this panel yesterday. Uh, he, before him was Danny Wirtz, chairman of the Blackhawks, the Blackhawks. Mm-hmm. right? Owner, there was an owner of the WWA Stars. So Adam's there on stage, um, just putting on a clinic. It was, it was, was wonderful. Uh, I blacked out. I blacked out. I didn't even know what happened. Oh, I, I like. I was sitting in the front row with like my photo. Like, am I that person right now? <laughs> Proud dad. I know him. Proud yeah. dad moment. Uh, I, I had to block Steven out so I didn't get distracted. <laughs> it was just like tell the people like, oh man, it yeah. was incredible. This is really cool. I think uh, you know, part of what makes campusing special. We say you know we have a bus and we we put people on the bus and we try to get them in the right seats. Um, and Eric, you are like one of those people where you bring us a wealth of knowledge. Your reputation is incredible. We're learning from you um, beyond measure, but by you joining us, you are raising the bar in the licensing space for everyone. And I think there's 100%. an example to be set there where, you know, your previous employer is one of, you know, we're customers of them. But right. believe it or not, because of it, it's a one plus one is three now. Like we're going to be able to do so much cooler shit together because of it, because of you kind of taking this leap of faith and joining us. And so I, I hope 
hopefully you'll start to see this a little bit more happening. You're not the only one joining us. Uh, but that's what that's what we, we want to be at Campus Inc. is this melting pot of just extremely, like incredible professionals with so much integrity and such different skill sets that we can come together to change something. So I, uh, I think this is pretty rad. Eric, I have probably the most important question of the whole pod left to ask you. If you could sign your dream NIL deal with any restaurant today, what would that restaurant be? That's a good one. Wow, I haven't, I haven't been asked that one. Uh, Told you, most important question of the pod. Yeah, I'm a big Chipotle guy. Like, there I is. could, you know, sign me a Chipotle deal for Love life. Uh, I, I'd be good for lunch, you know, get some chips and, and burritos on, you know, at, at dinner time. Sign me up. Road like, trips. I'll be, right, you're covered, you know parties we got the whole layout so sign me a chipotle <laughs> deal and i'll be good but i love it uh, i love it I, the I ultimate national i want a national one you know if i'm going to do a deal i don't want to just local i want i want a national deal <laughs> <laughs> i was about to say the 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 ultimate utilitarian deal right there it's good for any any occasion uh anywhere you are in the country chipotle hit him up eric rubish <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. Wonderful conversation. Thanks for taking us to school as it relates to licensing. Once again, I'm Adam. There's Sean Ellenby, special guest Eric Rubish. In this episode five, season two of the NIL show, we will catch you guys next time. Hi, everybody. Adam Cook from Campus Inc. in the NIL store. Want to say real quickly, thank you so much for listening and joining us on this journey. And as a reminder, if you ever need any custom merchandise, youth jerseys, camp t-shirts, whatever it may be, you can always find us at campus.inc. And of course, for all your NIL needs, nil.store. We're going to jump into the episode. I hope you enjoy.